Psalm 124. This is one of those um, reoccurring themes in Scripture, but one nonetheless we need to be reminded of from time to time. We have seen and read many times in the Bible that the Lord is our helper. He is Almighty God. That is who He is. Now, this is a huge blessing in our lives. Is simply put, we have a need, a testing, a trial, and we go to the Lord for help, trusting Him to take care of it. That is the, the method of the believer. That is what we are supposed to do. In Psalm 124, verse 8, it says this, Our help, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So oftentimes in Scripture, God helping us right around there someplace, it reminds us within a verse or two that he is the one who made everything. He is the creator God, okay? God is emphasizing this to us. He is almighty. He is all powerful. So when we need help, we are to go to him. Look with me a couple pages back, Psalm 121 in verse one, it says this, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Here it is again, which made heaven and earth. Okay. Let me show you another Psalm 146. Turn there with me. Psalm 146. So again, we see this truth in Scripture. What are we supposed to do? We have a need. We go through a testing, a trial, a difficulty. We are to go and we are to go to the throne of grace and we are to ask the God of all creation for help with that situation. Psalm 146 verse 5, it says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Verse 6, which made heaven and earth the sea, and all therein is, which keepeth truth forever. So here we see it again. God is our help. Now, I haven't given you a title tonight for the message because I was waiting until a little further on, and that time is now. It may surprise you, but the title of this tonight is this, When God Can Help and He Doesn't. When God Can Help and He Doesn't. You might say, wait a minute, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. We claim these verses, God is going to do this. Yeah, but you know what? There are some times, and I know every one of us, now you know, you know, I think you know where this is going. Hopefully you do. But there are times in our lives, folks, when we can get in the worst predicaments and we can cry out to God and it's like he's not there. Now we can examine ourselves. You know, there's a lot of people say, well, you know, if God doesn't answer the prayer, there's sin in your life. That's why it's, it's happening. You know, he won't hear. If you're regarded iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear. I get that and I understand that. We're gonna cover a little bit of this tonight. But here's the point. There are times when you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. When you can examine yourself. And obviously we're still sinners and we sin every day, okay? I get that. But as far as having deep-rooted rebellion or, or something you're holding on to against somebody else, a bitterness or something like that, you know, you can say, Lord, I'm just open. I'm wide open before you. Why aren't you helping? You're the God of help. You're the God of creation. And Lord, I don't understand this. See, at times, it doesn't seem like he does help us. So then, if he can help and he doesn't help, then we ask the question, what in the world's going on? What's going on here? Well, 
Let me give you several reasons of what may be going on. And number, well, not number one, but let me say this as a precursor before we get into this. God is not deaf. He does hear, he did hear, and he'll continue to hear. He's not sleeping at the wheel. He's not out to lunch. He hasn't gone on vacation. He'll be back in two weeks. He is present. He's active. He knows exactly what's going on. So why hasn't he, quote unquote, heard? Well, he's heard. Why hasn't he moved? Why hasn't he done anything? Why hasn't he helped? Well, number one, there's a life lesson to be learned. That's one reason why he hasn't helped. He's wanting us to learn something before he steps in. This can be either a simple life lesson or it could be chastening for sin. That's a possibility. Scriptures teach that. By the way, I got an email from somebody a couple weeks ago who was appalled at the message I gave a while back that God would, how God deals with rebellious children. They were appalled at the idea of chastening. They were appalled at the idea that God, do you really, really believe? I don't know if I can really believe in God. And this is a believer who's saying this. I don't know if I can, I just can't bear the thought that God could actually take a child of a believer and chasten a person that way. As a matter of fact, I don't even think this person believed that God chastens his children today. And then they go on to explain in the email how And it was a guy, it was a man who gave the email. I just realized that. He goes on to explain, and he talked about some of the physical abuse he went through as a child. Well, let me tell you something. If that is the lens that you are looking at the character of God through, you're going to have a very hard time understanding God's chastening, that it's motivated by love because of what you went through. I mean, he mentioned things in there that I'm just thinking, my heart was broken. And I emailed him back and I said, you know, I'm not even going to pretend that I know how you feel. I don't know how you feel. I never went through that, but I was very kind with him, but very tender. But nevertheless, I said, I said, you need to go back and you need to look at those passages and why God did what he did. He had a hard time believing God would take, he said, instead of take him, see, here's the mind of somebody who's been abused. Instead of God taking his children home who are living in rebellion and won't change, he used this term. I can't believe that God would kill his children. That's his term. God would kill his children. Now, you know, folks, if you went to hell, I could see you using a term like that. But if you're saved and God takes your life, he's taken you home. The Bible's words are a lot more tender, isn't it? They're sleeping. He took the life in their sleeping, the body of sleeping. Of course, they went home to be with the Lord. Now, if you want to talk in terms of, well, he killed them, I have a hard time recognizing or reconciling that concept with God lovingly taking a child to heaven because he didn't want their life to be more and more and more a disaster. So he took them home. He actually did them a favor. Let me ask you, is it better living in heaven or here? Heaven, right? So to use a term, I can't believe that God will kill his children, shows you the pain that this person was living with. But there is a life lesson to be learned. Look at at Romans chapter 5 with me. Life lessons. God is teaching us. God doesn't always teach us with reward. God doesn't always teach us with blessing, although he does teach us with reward. He does teach us with blessing as well. Romans says, 
that the goodness of God causes us to repent, not the fiery lightning bolt of God. Now that can cause you to repent too, but the goodness of God. Now in Romans chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So we have access into the grace of God, which is what we need to be empowered to live for him and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, verse 3. And not only so, here we go, but we glory in tribulations also, troubles, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Notice, life lessons to be learned, okay? God brings trials and tribulations into our lives, and we get into those situations, and we're, we feel like we're being stretched or broken or whatever you want to call it. Uh, what's going on, okay? Cry out to God. You don't hear him. Think of Job. What did Job go through, right? Now, I don't know how long that went on. I I think it went on for months. Personally, it probably went on for months. I can't prove that. But I do know this. How many times did he cry out to God? And he wasn't hearing, and he wasn't hearing, and he wasn't hearing. And of course, he wasn't hearing. Then his quote-unquote friends jump on the bandwagon. See, uh uh-huh, see, yeah, 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 God's quiet on this. See, it's because you got sin in your life and all that. And of course, later on in Job, then God intervenes, and uh, it's a whole different story, isn't it? It wasn't that God wasn't working. It wasn't that God didn't know. It wasn't that God is an ogre. It's that there were lessons to be learned. And to God, that's a big deal. Secondly, it goes along with these verses here, especially verses three and four. There's character to be developed. Notice tribulation, trouble worketh patience. It can also, word patience can mean perseverance. In other words, it makes us strong, okay? Character to be developed. I can think of several areas in our character that need to be developed. That God, when he doesn't move, when we cry out to help to the creator of the universe, and he doesn't move and he doesn't seem to answer, there's character being developed. So he's waiting. Let me give you three areas. One is an area of purity. Purity. Look with me to Psalm 139. I just thought of a strange thing. Just one of those little thoughts came in my mind. God is all-powerful. We know that. I think I answered my own question. Forget it. I won't tell you. No, I know you're curious now. In this day of multiplied distractions, is it harder for God to get our attention? Now, you say yes, but is there such a thing as hard or harder with God? See what I'm saying? Don't let that keep you up tonight. But sometimes, you know, and some of you are shaking your head, yes, and I totally get what you're saying, because that was the first thought I had. Yes, it's harder today to get our attention, but he's almighty God, and I don't know if anything's hard for him, really. Anyways, you get the point. It's harder for us to pay attention. We'll all agree on that. Purity, Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way 
everlasting. Okay, that's God's way. And of course, God's way is a way of purity. Uh, He is in the light. He walks in the light. And if we're going to walk in fellowship with him, we have to walk in the light of his word abiding in Christ. But look at that, Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Boy, here the psalmist in Psalm 139, this is David, of course. This is a, uh, a pretty pressing psalm. And if you know anything about David, and I know you do, and I know Pastor Dave gave a great series on him, David was intense. He was an intense guy. He was a very sensitive believer. And here he's just sensing, okay, he wants things to be better. So in the area of purity, and God works in our lives, and and he brings the testings and difficulties in. Another area is in the area of patience or perseverance. This is all under character development. Patience and perseverance. James chapter 1 in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations difficulties, knowing this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Again, another word for patience is perseverance. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, it brings us to maturity. It helps us grow up spiritually. So when these difficult trials come in, what God wants us to do, which we seldom succeed in doing, by the way, right? The natural tendency, I think the default is to complain and whine about it instead of count it all joy. Why? That's a lot more difficult. But God is producing patience and perseverance in us. Now, we may get through a lesson of it and and get through it and pass through a trial and we get out on the other side, you know, and we see the sunshine of the other side and we say, oh, great, I'm glad that's done. I'm glad that's behind me. Wouldn't it be great if God would say, you know what, that's the last one you'll ever have in your life. I just want you to know, I got some good news for you. You've, You've graduated from trials. They're over. But that's not the way it works. He brings them again later on. It's another one. Maybe it's harder than anything you've ever been through. Maybe not. Or maybe there will be a series of small ones, one after another after another. I don't know. Patience or perseverance. Here's another area of character development. How about this one? Empathy. Empathy. Have you ever thought about that? The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. That's what empathy is. The ability to understand and to share the feelings of another. i give you an example of this. People who have lost a spouse, who've been married for years and they lose a spouse. I can't pretend to understand that with a senior, especially a senior who's been married, let's say, for 50 years, and they lose their spouse. I'm not going to go up to them and say, oh, you know what? I know what you're feeling. I don't know what they're feeling. I haven't been there. And the truth of it is, I don't want to ever be there. I don't think any of us would want to be there. But you know, those who have been there, they do know what that's like. God has allowed them to go through that incredibly difficult thing, even believers, and to deal with that and to and do the, the fallout of that and the different things that happen after that in life that they experience, but when it happens to somebody else, and they're there and they go to them to comfort them, they really do get it. And they can say things that the rest of us can't say. 
because we wouldn't think about saying them because we haven't been through it. Do we get that? Look with me to Romans chapter 12. The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. I think of those who've lost a child. Okay? Naturally speaking, children are not supposed to die before their parents. But it happens. It happens. And I don't know what that's like. I'm not talking about miscarriage now. I don't know what that's like. I'm not going to pretend I know what it's like. I can do this. I can give them all the prayer and all the encouragement and all the love and support I can, but I can't pretend I know what it's like if I haven't been through it. You don't know what it's like. God knows what it's like. Jesus felt everything anybody ever feels. Okay? Empathy. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. That's an easy one. Weep with them that weep. And I think the idea is not just, oh, they're crying, so I'm supposed to cry. Let me work myself up into this. No, it comes from a heart of empathy for somebody else. You see the hurt in somebody. And if you've been there, you know what that's like. And so you can be a part of that with them. Let me give you a, um, a third reason why all of these could be reasons why God doesn't help when he can help. All right? Third is this. There are people along the way to be reached in one way or another. There are people along the way to be reached in one way or another. Turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. You know, there are some situations we get into, some trials and difficulties we get into, that if we did not get into them, we would not meet the people we end up meeting. All those people are opportunities for the gospel. All those people are ministry. And I say, well, that person's a believer. Okay, okay. Then they don't need to be one to Christ, but I guarantee you this, they will appreciate some encouragement. They'll appreciate friendliness, kind words. Okay. We had a, a physical therapist start coming to help out Sue. And this lady came and we got talking and she's a believer. She's a believer. She's an older lady, probably late 60s, I guess. A delight to work with, to know. I mean, it's like we hit it off right away with her. Goes to another church locally here. I didn't hold it against her. Okay. But um, very, very sweet lady. But what were we able to do? We were able to encourage her. She opened up to us. She's been dealing with severe plantar fasciitis and in her heels and stuff, and she just kind of walks around like this. And, and, uh, but we've been a blessing to her. She enjoys coming to the house. See, there's something we can do there. Now, she, what do we do? She's a believer, encouragement. But if somebody's not saved, there's an opportunity to share the gospel. Are they going to trust Christ? We don't know. But certainly we ought to try, Right? Philippians 1.12, Paul says, I would you should understand, brethren, written from jail, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds, my chains in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. One of the reasons God put him in jail 
was to not only be a witness, but to be a testimony and an encouragement to the other believers who were in jail for their faith. They ended up becoming more bold and more fervent for the gospel because of Paul being there. So part of the trial of Paul being put in jail was God just gave him a different place to minister. But it's a matter of perspective. We need to see this. He could have pleaded with God, oh God, listen, you're all powerful. Do for me what you did for Peter. Make the chains fall off. Open the doors. And by the way, I guess he did that in, the, in, in Philippi, didn't he? Anyways, you get the picture. There are people along the way to be reached in one way or another. Let me give you kind of like a concluding thing with this, and it is this. What we need to do, folks, when we get in this situation, when God can help, but he doesn't seem to help, the last thing is this. We must release the situation into his hands and leave it there. We must release the situation into his hands and and leave it there. He doesn't owe us an explanation. We may get one down the road, maybe not. I've heard people say this. I've heard Christians say this. Well, you know what? We'll understand everything once we get to heaven. Let me ask you this. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Can you show that to me in the Bible? Is God obligated to explain every single thing that happened on earth? It may be great in a gospel song, but it isn't necessarily scripture. Now, I hope that's the case, but I'm not going to say it if it's not in the Bible. Here's the truth of it, though. Once we get to heaven, it won't matter. We don't care about those things. Life on earth will be like a blink once we go off into eternity. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. I'd say, I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. I understand what you're saying. We all go through this. But here's where we have to go. We must release the situation into his hands and leave it there. Leave it there. Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What a verse. He says, quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to figure me out. I'm going to work this through. Let me give you another one on this. Look at Psalm 147. We were having devotions here this morning. It came over this. I thought, hmm, boy, does that fit. Here's a couple of those verses that if you sparingly highlight in your Bible, this might be one you may want. These two verses, Psalm 147, verse four, it's talking about God. Okay, now listen, we have no ideas how many stars there are in the universe. We have no idea. You can go out on a clear night and you see all those stars and that's just the beginning, right? Just the beginning, Psalm 147, verse 4, he telleth the number of the stars. Wow. Wow. Lord, how many stars are there? He looks at us and says, you don't have a number system to contain them. But not only does he know the number, he calls them all by their names. He has a name for every star. And by the way, it has nothing to do with those ridiculous deals that you hear about on the radio. If you send so much money, they'll name a star after you. Sorry, they already have names. 
God is the one. Now, every star has a name and he knows how many stars there are. Think about that. That's the mind of our father. And then it says this, great is our Lord and of great power, his understanding is infinite. I love that word infinite. His understanding is infinite. So when God can do something and I cry out for help and he doesn't seem to move or act, he doesn't seem to help, it isn't that he doesn't know. It's that he has something else going on. We need to trust him with that. Let's close over in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 37 If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ to get you to heaven, there's only one way you're going to get there. It's through what he did for you on the cross. Jesus went to the cross and he died for all of our sins, so we don't have to. He did it. Our sins have to be paid for. We violated God, the laws of God. We violated his truth. He says the wages of sin is death, but he doesn't want us to pay for it. That's why Jesus came God himself took on flesh and he went to the cross and he died on the cross and there he paid for all of our sins, leaving us nothing to pay for. He rose from the grave and he says, if you'll put your faith in me, if you'll trust in me that I did it for you, I'll give you everlasting life. Not only that, look at verse 37. He says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me, if you'll come to Christ by faith, you'll come to him, trust in him. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. It's eternal security. Verse 38, for I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, not one person, but should raise it up again at the last day. I like what one man said, I shall lose nothing, were at least something. He says he'll lose nothing. That includes you and me. So if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, trust in Him as your Savior. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.